Now, this passage that I read earlier is kind of a lengthy passage. Um, I understand that. But I wanted you to get a picture of what's going on in Ephesus. It's, you know, it started in Acts 19.11. We went through the end of the chapter. And, boy, there's just a lot happening. And I'm just going to focus on a few things this morning. But I encourage you to read over it a few times and look at all that's, that's going on. I mean, you've got, first of all, you've got people handing out prayer hankies, right? You know, just get online and order it. 20 bucks, we'll give, you the, we'll give you the handkerchief that Paul blew his nose in, and, you know, that'll, that'll heal you from... Pre- I'm joking, y'all are not awake yet this morning. Come on, people. we got to get in here. Actually, these were more than likely, they're, they're kind of like rags that he probably used to tie around his waist or whatever, but that's what was going on at this point in time, that, that people were so enthralled with what was happening and the power of the Spirit that was moving through Paul and his companions that they were just wanting to be around things that Paul had touched, and they were using them to bring about healing. Then you have this story of these itinerant, how about this, itinerant Jewish exorcists who make a living by going around and casting out demons. And we're not even sure that they were truly uh, part of the high priest or not, or whether that was all made up just to make money, but in in any rate, that's what they were doing. And then you have a, a good old book burning right in the middle of it, right? I mean, come on, you get people who get so worked up and everything that they just bring all their stuff and they burn it in front of everyone. You have Paul who begins to talk about the fact that he eventually needs to get to Rome. And then you have this other disturbance that, that comes up against Christianity. And as we've looked at before, it's really one of these things that's motivated, as you can see, at least in part, if not a great part, by economics, by, you know, if, if I do these things for Christ or if these people continue to follow this, I risk losing my income. And so they fight against this stuff and they start this riot and this is what I this is what I love about the the riot you have people who are passionately fighting to hold on to their false and backwards beliefs and in the midst of all that you have this riot that goes on and the person who gets up to speak they just notice he's Jewish or Democrat or Republican and they just start chanting forever because they don't want to listen to him right See, that was a little bit, that was free. I just told you that one. You know, we, we didn't even want to listen to him because he's just Jewish in there. And then I love the fact that you really get to the end of it and the whole riot, the city manager just stands up and goes, y'all need to go home. They go, okay. It really amounted to nothing. That was it. And, and the morning, all the things that are happening at this point, crazy. It sounds absolutely insane. All the things that are happening at this point in time. And then I thought, now what does that sound like? I went, oh, it sounds like 2018, doesn't it? You just have people who are just all over the map. We see some of the people, we see some people in our world following some of the strangest and most outlandish beliefs, trying to do anything they can to have some sort of break from this reality. You have people who are going to extremes with things, and you have people who just gather together in assemblies. And it, I love the fact that in the midst of it, it even said that there were a lot of people that were there at the assembly that didn't even have any idea why they were there. We're mad. What are we mad at? We're just mad. Woo! And we're just, whew. That's it. And so this is where it is. But there's something in the midst of this, and there's, there's a question I think that's key in the midst of all this, and it's this. In, this, in a chaotic world, in a chaotic scene, which I think that we live in a little bit of a chaotic world today. Anybody believe that with me? Okay. I just want to make sure that, because if you don't think that, then you can sleep for about 20 minutes. And because what I'm about to say really doesn't apply 
to you. But if, if we're in the midst of a chaotic world, I think there's some key questions that we have to figure out. And the first question is, okay, what path am I supposed to follow in this world? And I, surprise, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We believe that the path that you should follow is that you should line your life up with what the Word of God says and that you should give your heart and your life to Jesus and that you should follow Him. And so that's what we believe, is that the way that you're going to navigate through this chaotic world, through this difficult world, is that you give your heart and your life to Christ, and that in doing so, he doesn't necessarily protect you from the world, he just walks through the chaos with you. You need to understand the difference there. By coming to Christ, it doesn't mean that you then get exempt from all the difficulties of this world. It means that you just get a partner that walks through the difficulties of this world with you and helps you navigate these things as you face them because the world's still chaotic at that point in time. And, and so once you've made that decision to follow Christ, I think that there's even a more difficult question that comes after it is, okay, I've determined that I want to give my life to Christ, but now how do I follow this path? How do I follow this path in the midst of all these crazy things that are going on? And I, I, want you to, I want you to understand that there's a very simple mark of a believer. There's a very simple mark of a Christian, a simple mark of a follower of God, and, and it's this. It's actually part of the vision that we have here at First Baptist Church as, as well. A, a very simple mark of a believer is a person who will actually live out what the Bible says. Now, you, you, have to, you have to understand this with me. You can believe things that you don't live out. Amen? You can believe things and say, well, I think that's true, but then just choose not to live it out. I mean, we do that all the time. I won't pick on us. But a mark of a, of a true follower of Christ is not someone who has just come to the point that say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I want to follow him. It's a person who actually then lives those things out. And it, it's not just picking and choosing what we live out. Ooh, I like that part. I'm going to live that out. Ooh, that part's hard. I don't want to live that part out. That's not how it works. If we say that I believe that Jesus is Lord of all and, and I'm going to follow him and I need help navigating this chaotic world that's full of just things that are distractions at the least and difficulties at the worst, then I, I need someone who I can trust and I'm going to follow. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to do what his word says to do. And I trust that in doing so, I'll be able to navigate this world in the best way. You see, what happens to a lot of people who profess to follow Christ is they only follow bits and pieces of it. They follow the parts that they find most convenient for them. And then they tend to leave out the parts that, that are, are maybe a little bit more difficult. And it might not even be difficult. It might just be the part that, well, I don't understand it. And so I'm not going to do this part. And so we, we find them kind of living this half Christian life. Things kind of look good, but there's no power there. There's no realness there. There's no ability to be able to truly navigate through the things of life. And, and really, I mean, I was taught a long time ago, if it's a half truth, it's a lie, right? I mean, that's what I've been taught. And so if we're only following half the truth, then we're actually living a lie. And one of the things that you see from this passage, it's really clear, is that living a lie can be a major beatdown. And I just have to tell you, I giggle every time I read this passage from the first time I read it 
when I was a, a kid until tonight. I just, I just laugh at the fact that these boys got whipped. You know what I'm saying? That they're trying to live out this faith that they see, but there's an absolutely nothing that's genuine about it. And so they're going around, and they talk about, they talk about casting out demons faith or something that resembled a faith or something. Now, hear me on this. And you, I got to make sure you're awake this morning because you really need to hear this one. They were trying to use Jesus instead of know Jesus. I, thank you, Danny. I got one amen out of that, so I'm going to say it again for the rest of us. We didn't get that. They were trying to use Jesus instead of know Jesus. There we go. There's a difference, right? Can, can, let's, can we just be honest for a little bit? That... There was, there was a point in time, it still happens some today. It doesn't happen, I will just say it doesn't happen as much as it did 10, 20, and 30 years ago. But there was a point in time when you attended church in the community because it was the thing to do. And you got your business contacts there and the other people saw you and you saw them. And that was the right thing to do and it was good and it was moral and it was there. Can I just tell you, those days, if they're not already passed, they're passing very quickly. And, and so there was a point in time that even in our own denomination and in our churches and stuff, it was, there was a good part of the people, I say good part, but there was a, a significant section of the people who were here that were just, it was obligation, it was rules, it was I'm supposed to do these things, it makes me look good, it's a check mark, I follow it, it's there. But there was no power in their faith, there was no realness in there. And to be honest with you, they would never say it, and we would honestly maybe, we were polite enough to never say it about it, but from a distance, we can say, you know what, we were really just trying to use Jesus. We weren't trying to know Jesus. And, and that's where it was void of the power. They were following a system. They weren't following a person. They were just following a system. Well, I'm supposed to go here. I'm supposed to do this. And if I work this system, and this is what they said, right? If I work this system, good things will happen. What did the seven sons of Sceva think? If I work this system... Good things will happen. Well, what they eventually found out was that all they'll do is get you beat up. That's it. They were trying to follow rules. They weren't living in a relationship. So the first thing I want us to catch in this passage is that we have to have a faith in God. And there are some things about our faith that need to happen to help us be able to navigate this world. Because you cannot fake it. You cannot fake it in this world. So first of all, let's look at this. My faith must be, I've got some blanks here for us. My faith must be, the first thing, my faith, if I'm going to navigate this world, my faith must be real. My, my faith must be real. Now, when you look at this passage and you look that they say, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. The seven sons of Sceva were doing this. The evil spirit answered them. Now, first of all, that's where I start just chuckling. I think, you know, they're probably going, whoa, 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 wait, that's not in the book. That's not the formula. They don't talk back. They just run at this point in time. How does this work? And I'm just thinking, you know, if you're watching this in a movie, you're just sitting there going, oh, they're about to get it, aren't you? You can just see it kind of building up. And it's kind of funny, honestly, and we can chuckle. It's okay. It's kind of funny when you see it here because it's distant. But when you see it happening to a friend or when you see it happening to people you care about, it's not as funny. When you see them going, man, I know that you really have something in there that, that at least acknowledges that Jesus is Lord. But you're not really following it. And so they're, they're doing this formula. And, and the first thing, the first words that 
the Spirit says to them is, I know Jesus. I know Jesus. You realize that, right? Evil spirits, they know who Jesus is. And, and so when they look at these people, they just go, I know Jesus. You're, you're using this name, and I know who he is. See, our faith has to be real. And so the question that we have to ask is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? You realize that there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone, right? There are a lot of people. I, my brain is incredibly full of useless sports statistics about people I've never met. And I can tell you details of their life, but I have never met them. You follow that? And I love to watch them on TV. I love to talk about them. I like to buy their jerseys sometimes and wear them and watch the game and cheer for them. And go, this is awesome. But I have never once met them in my life. Do you know Jesus? Or do you know about Jesus? There is a significant difference. We can wear the jerseys, we can cheer them on, we can love them at a distance, but when you know him, it's totally different. And so this was the thing that was happening here. The spirits knew, they said, I know Jesus. And in essence, what they're saying is, and you don't. And because you don't, you're about to get a whipping. That's just all there is to it. Because you don't know. And I know you don't know him. Oh, Jesus. And I, and I just want Jesus Christ. You cannot fake it. It has to be real. You have to know Jesus. And I, and I just want to tell you something. You can't follow a system. You can't follow traditions. You can't follow a particular pastor or a particular leader. You have to know Jesus. Everything else is secondary to that. God gives us the church to support our faith. God gives us pastors and leaders to help us walk in our faith. But all of those things are secondary to knowing Jesus first. Do you know Jesus? And I'm just going to tell you, I've, I've preached a message similar to this before. And most every time I do it, I have someone who's been in the church for a long time and they go, you know what, I've been in this church a long time and I met Jesus today. And so let me just go ahead and, and pray that your embarrassment or, you know, pride or whatever would just fall away. And you would sincerely ask yourself the question this morning, do I know Jesus? Or do I just know church? Because there's a huge difference. Because when they were trying to just follow a formula, they reached a point in life where it got real difficult. And the demon looked at him and said, I know Jesus. So your faith has to be real. The second thing, your faith, one of the most interesting things my faith has to be mine. Now, I think this is one of the most interesting things in the particular passage. That they're casting out demons and they say, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And, and the demon looks at them and, and answers, not only do I know Jesus, I think this is incredibly inter interesting. I know Jesus and I recognize Paul. And somebody asked this a long time ago, and I'm just stealing it, and I think they stole it from somebody else and stole it from somebody else, and I don't know where it even started, but it's just a, the greatest question to ask. Do the demons know who you are? 
And I know you're thinking like, okay, now you're just talking about demons and spirits and all this stuff. It's just crazy. I just wanted to come to church and eat a donut and go home today. And we're talking about these type of things. But they're real. This is a real thing. And, and, and our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against the spirits and the powers and the principalities of darkness. And so this is what's happening is the reason that they recognized Paul is because Paul was making a difference. Paul was making an impact. What did the people say about Paul later on? This man's going all throughout Asia, and he's turning things upside down. It's not just in our city. It's in everybody's city. He's talking about the fact that God's made with hands aren't real at all. And, man, that's just cutting into our business. So this man's got to shut up. I mean, gosh, we got to, that's what just the, the people were saying about Paul. Much less the spirits were going, I know who Paul is, and he's causing trouble because he's taking a lot of people down a path that we don't want him to go. He's stealing a lot of people away from us because he's telling the truth about things. You see, your faith has to be mine. My faith has to be mine. Your faith has nothing to do with your friends or your relatives' faith. You have to make it your own. You can't stand in front of the gates of heaven one day and say, well, I should get in because my mom was a good believer. I just want to get in because, man, I, I sat in a church that had a great pastor. Shouldn't I get into to heaven? Or, man, my, my Sunday school teacher was incredible. My brother, man, he talked to me about that. Your, my faith has to be mine. And when your faith is yours, not only do you know it, but can we just be honest, everybody around you knows it as well. Because there's some real power that comes with having your own faith. And so these demons even recognize, I know Jesus, and I even recognize Paul because, man, that man's causing trouble. That's what they're saying. Wouldn't it be awesome to live your life in such a way that hell had to have a war room that talked about you? Wouldn't it be nice to live your life in such a way that hell had to have a war room to plan for you? That's a life of impact. You have to ask yourself, am I living a life of convenience or a life of impact? Because when you have people who are starting to scheme against the things that you want to do, life's going to get rough. It's going to get difficult. You see, we talk all the time about if you'll come to Jesus and he loves you, which he does, and Jesus died on the cross for your sins, which he did, and people begin to interpret that, well, then that, that just means I get to just live and be comfortable. Well, no, honestly... You're invited to church and you're invited to join our team to actually do something. So that the other team has to scheme against you. And the only way that happens is when your faith is yours. And so this is what's happening here. I know Jesus. I recognize Paul. They recognize Paul because his faith is his own. So my faith has to be mine. And then the last thing that we see is my faith has to be sure. Have to be sure. Okay. Because the last thing they said was, but who are you? Who are you? I can just sum that up like this. If you don't have a genuine faith, a faith that is real, a faith that is your own, I think the way it used to be said is you are cruising for a bruising, right? That you will eventually reach a place in this life where all the things and the schemes and the the processes and stuff that we're trying to follow will, will fall apart, and you're going to be left with what? You, you know, I, I did not marry my wife to follow a formula. I, I, I didn't 
enter in that relationship and then say, okay, how do I follow all the steps? And, well, how far can I go without being, well, do I really have to do these type of things in this really No, when you're in a relationship, a real and true and genuine relationship that is yours, that you got into, then there are things that you begin to do to think, can I just tell you, she's been gone for a week and I can't wait for Monday. Can you, you know what I'm just saying? It's one of those weeks where she works from home most of the year, but then she has to go down and work in Round Rock for a week. And it's just like, yeah, come on, Monday. All right. You know, because you just can't wait to be with them again. You can't wait to talk with them again. You can't wait to be around them again. And, and that's what it's like when your faith is real. Not this, well, okay, maybe she could be gone another week. That's awesome. It gives me more time for me. It's <laughs> no. not how it goes. So your, your faith has to be sure, though. Who are you? Who are you? So the great thing about this is you don't have to look at anybody else this morning. You don't have to think about anything else. Is that if you have a genuine faith, and I want to say this in the most positive way I can. If you have a genuine faith, I'll say this again. Then it doesn't exempt you from the difficulties of this life. It gives you a partner to walk through the things of this life with. It gives you someone who will see you through every difficulty, challenge, or stressor that you can face. And that's what Paul was living. He's even talking about, you know, I, I need to go over here and talk to these people. I need Timothy to come back over here. And eventually I'm going to have to go to Rome. And we're going to get into that in this next month, how Paul got to Rome. It, it wasn't on a cruise ship. But there's just something in his heart that was led because of his genuine and real faith that was going, I've got to get here. You have to be sure of your faith. Because if you're not sure of your faith in Christ, that it is real, that it is your own, that it is genuine and authentic, then there will be a point in time when you will be challenged with something and there, there won't be anything there for you to stand on. You have to be sure of your faith. What does he mean, Pastor, being sure of our faith? Well, have you come to that place? Have you come to that place where you say, I believe that Jesus is Lord? His love, to deserve his grace, but it's been a gift. Nothing you can do on your own to deserve his love, to deserve his grace, but it's been a gift from him. And you've accepted that gift. You've confessed your sins, realizing that there is a great gap between you and him that was, the gap between you and God that was filled by Jesus Christ. And then you said, God, I give you my life, and then I make you Lord, which then means that you begin to live out what this word says. Not just believe it, but you live it out. That's the sure faith. And what does that lead to? I'll kind of hop down to the next part. That leads to this. When I follow Jesus, here's a blank for you. When I follow Jesus, I will discover things in my life that are incompatible or unuseful with God. When you begin to follow Jesus, all these things that you begin to think are so important or so key to life or so just, I've got to have this, I've got to be around this, I've got to know this. When you truly begin to follow Jesus, he begins to show you some things in your life that you go, well, that really doesn't fit in the life that God wants me to have now. Now, that part right there when I say that. Let me just ask you this question. Everybody get ready to participate. Get your right arm free. You ready? Life that are incompatible or unuseful to the faith. You believe that? Okay. But that's the part that bothers a lot of us. Because God keeps saying that, okay, I've got something different or better or you don't need that anymore. But we just keep going, yeah, but I can I just kind of hold on to it. Maybe just put it in a box for later. 
in case, just in case, in case this whole God thing doesn't work out. And God's going, it's been working. <laughs> you can just start at the beginning and see if I've been faithful to everybody. But there's something in us, it gets difficult. And, and, and so you need to understand that when you're truly following Jesus, you begin to discover things in your life that are incompatible and that are unuseful, at least, to the life that God wants you to live. And you have a choice at that point in time. Then do I lay those things down and trust God or do I continue to hold on to these things? And that's the part where a lot of us sometimes miss out on what God's wanting us to do. I love what happened here. It says that when they saw this whole thing happen between the evil spirit and what Paul was doing and what these sons of Sceva were doing, everything that's happening in Ephesus, it says that many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. They discovered that what they were doing was incompatible and unuseful with following God. And so they realized that following Jesus, this is what they realized. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I cannot continue to live the same way. That's not possible. It's incompatible. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus and make him Lord. There's going to be some change. And I know some of you are thinking, then, well, pastor, what change is that? It depends. Depends on who you are. Each one of us is wired different. Each one of us have things that are easy to let go, and each one of us has things that are difficult to let go. There are some things that God gifts and puts in people's lives, and there's things he puts in other people's lives, and it doesn't always look the same. So it would be wrong for me to sit up here and say, well, let me tell you what that looks like. I don't know exactly what that looks like for you because your faith has to be your own. It can't be the faith that I tell you to live. It has to be the faith that God tells you to live. But they realized that following Jesus and continuing to live the same were incompatible. So let me ask the church a favor this morning. Let me, those who have been following Christ for a long time. Now, I want to tell you that I think we get here by a, a very sincere heart and in a very good way. We come to a place where we realize that living for God actually does work. It is the best way. It doesn't mean life is perfect. But we, we realize that it is the thing to do. And we see other people who are not experiencing the same type of life that we experience. And then sometimes we, in all the love and compassion that we have, we try to change their behavior. Nowhere in here is anybody trying to change anybody's behavior. They're trying to change their heart. You see, God's in the business of changing hearts. Because he knows that if the heart changes, then everything else changes. But the reason we have perpetuated at times a culture in the church that allows people to say, I believe in Jesus, but yet see no fruit from it, or I believe in Jesus, but yet have no power in their faith, is because we've taught them how to act and look like Christians. But we haven't introduced them to the person of Jesus Christ. Because at times we get more concerned with how they look, or what they say, or what they've done, and we go, ooh, clean that up, and Nowhere in Scripture did somebody get cleaned up first to come to Jesus Christ. Find me that story. Every one of them came broken and bleeding and open and hurt. And not one time did they go, oh, Jesus is coming. i got to clean this up. No. They said, Jesus here. Whew. And that's how we should be accepting people as well. What's our vision? We... we we talk about Romans 5.8, that Christ demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. We have written on the wall out there and on our bulletins and everything else that we want First Baptist Church to be a place where people can discover that they're fully known and fully loved by God. That means he meets you right where you are. Now, do we want you to stay there? No. Because we think God has something better for you. But, boy, you can meet God right where you are today. And this is what was happening. These people who realized the power of God said, I realize that I can't continue in this way. I've got to let it go. And so they burned the bridge to the past. They burned the bridge to the past. So that's the last question I want you to fill out today. And, and, and here's the deal. Here's the question. How do I let it go? How do I let go? Is there something that is keeping you from a real and powerful and genuine faith in Jesus Christ. How do I let go? You see, the riot in Ephesus was all about people who did not want to let go. We are making money making these shrines for Artemis. These people are preaching in such a way that would make us have to change. We're going to fight them on this. And so they just get together and start rioting. Start, just start doing anything they can to just build a team. It, it, it ultimately amounts to nothing. But let me just say that, that there was a lot of emotion and a lot of things happening and a lot of energy going toward hanging on to what they could see because they did not want to accept the message and let go of these things. I love the contrast in this story. You have some of the people who are like, dude, here's my books. Let me tell you how I did this spell. Here, let me just undermine this whole thing so nobody can do this again. Let's just burn these things. Let's just get this on. I'm, I'm all in with this faith. And then there are others who are like, I'm going to fight you on this. I'm going to hold on to what I know. I'm going to continue to do these things. And so that's where we have the question is, how do I let these things go? Do I truly believe that God has something better for me if I will not just believe in him, but if I will live out what the Bible says for me? And that's what it means. You should do what you can. I'll just tell you, you should do what you can to go all in. Because, again, halfway deciding to follow God is not giving your all to God. And the way that you let go is that perhaps God is stirring some things in your heart and in your mind today that you go, I have been wrestling with this, and it is just time to burn that bridge to the past. It is time to let go of that whatever, hurt, pain, object, thing, something. God, I think that we should follow the examples of those who said, just take it all. It's just worthless to me now because what matters most is following him. And when we do that, that's when we'll have a life of impact. And it will be real, it will be genuine. You can't fake that. 